Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. We're starting a brand new series here today called Heaven on Earth. And as I get into a bit of a description of what it's all about, you'll uh, appreciate why we are doing um, what we're doing. There's so many things that, that people will say uh, and, and, and when it comes to their thoughts about God, their thoughts about Christianity that are they're kind of generic. Um, you'll hear, you know, I mean, the worst one would be like, well, God will get you for that. I don't know if you ever heard that. Uh, you know, people have said things like that. Terrible thing to say to a child. That's not how to parent. But um, I, I've been at funerals where somebody said, yeah, God took him. I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Um, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. That's like an out. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, if you don't know what's going on, you know, if you don't really know the Bible, your easiest thing to say is the Lord works in mysterious ways, which kind of is like permission for your confusion. Um, or, or, or you can say, you know, people will say things like this about Christianity, that Christianity is about being a good person. Well, as long as you're a good person, um, you know, or, or you should be living by the rules, the ethics, the morality. That's, that's what being a Christian is all about. And, and there's so many statements that are out there and there's just one problem with them all and that is they're not biblical. They're not biblical. And so fundamentally, uh, without having Christ having come to the earth and, and, and without the scriptures being there, um, our understanding of who God is and how God works in our life can be so limited and, and so warped. And, and what's, what's really uh, bad is when, when people go through a, a painful experience and then want to extrapolate from that painful experience an understanding about God. In other words, they build their theology out of their experience rather than engaging their experiences with a foundation of a theology. And so they'll go through a painful experience in life and they'll decide, well, this says something about who God is. This says something about whether God loves me or not. And this says something about what God's intention is for my future. They build all this theology out of a bad experience and that is not not how to build a faith and an understanding of how God wants to work in your life and, and in fact, how he wants to work and help you through the tough times of life because that's the picture we get from the Bible. So as we read the scriptures, one of the things that happens in them is that throughout the book of Matthew, Jesus repeatedly makes this statement, the kingdom of heaven is like... The kingdom of heaven is like. And, uh, you know, sometimes there are a few where he's talking about eternity, but frankly, most of the time, it's got nothing to do with heaven. It's got nothing to do with eternity, that is. He's not talking about that. The kingdom of heaven, when Jesus says that, isn't a location. He's not referring to, you know, a place that we're gonna go. The kingdom of heaven, it's not an event. It's not talking about that either. The phrase, the kingdom of heaven, is actually a context for your life. It is how God has called you and I to live. And the kingdom of heaven is actually defined as this. It is where God rules. It is where God rules. So the kingdom of heaven is actually the experience of living in a relationship with Jesus right now. It's right now. 
It's not a future thing, it's right now. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's referencing to our lives and he's describing a life that is following Christ. This is what it looks like. And, and he's, he's talking about this is what life looks like if you will allow God to lead your life. Luke chapter 17 and verse 22 says, now he was questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God is coming. So this was their mentality. Kingdom of God is something that's coming. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, uh, for behold, the kingdom, behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in your midst. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is not a location and it is not an object. The kingdom of heaven is a way of life that you and I are meant to experience here and now, hence our title, heaven on earth. We're to live a heaven on earth life. Jesus preached the gospel, the Bible says, of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. He told people to repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's he saying? Repent because you're gonna die and you wanna go to heaven. That's where you wanna spend eternity. No, that's not what he was talking about. What he was saying is this. The word repent literally means change your mind. Change your mind. There's a new way to live where you can accept God's leadership into your life and have a heaven on earth experience in life. So if you would turn from a life that's just being done your way, you could actually become a Christ follower and experience life his way. In Matthew 6, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What's Jesus talking about here? Well, it's wrapping up a, a portion of scripture where he talks about, you know, this is how most people do life. They worry about everything. Uh, their whole focus is their next material uh, possession, the, the need that they think they need to meet. And, and, and that's the whole, that becomes like what their life is all about. And, and he says, you know what? There's a higher way to live. Seek first the kingdom. In other words, living a life under the purposes of God and the plan of God for your life. And by the way, I'll take care of all those things along the way. Make it a priority to live your life in the context of the kingdom of God, allowing Jesus to lead your life every way. Now, throughout the book of Matthew, Jesus shares insights into the kingdom of heaven, and he gives us parables as illustrations to help us understand what it means to live like this. And if you read through those parables at first glance, you might think, man, Jesus just seems to be talking about judgment all the time. I mean, you know, that's what, that's what it would appear to be at first glance. But you have to understand this. Parables are meant to give us a picture. And in that picture, there's a message. So Jesus is not coming and saying, you know what? The kingdom of heaven is like this, and here's the rules. That's not what he's doing. He's giving us a picture. He's giving us a story to help us gain some understanding. And so I'm not gonna look at one of the parables and go, oh my goodness, that wedding thing with the five virgins. Man, what, and next time I'm invited to a wedding, I just wanna make sure I got you know, batteries in my flashlight uh, and uh, I don't wanna be like those virgins that were stuck without enough oil to light their candle. I mean, no, we would never look at one of those parables 
and then find some kind of literal, you know, way of applying it to our lives. Parables paint a picture of the kingdom way of living. Furthermore, when Jesus taught us to pray, what were we to pray for? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Heaven on earth is the experience that God wants you and I to live under. Why would Jesus have to tell us the kingdom of heaven is like? Because it's different from the kingdom of this earth. It's different from the way that you watch people living around you. Life lived in ignorance of Christ and just governed by social norms and what's popular and what is everybody else doing? Where's the crowd leading? By the way, you never found the crowd in the Bible leading in good directions, if you'll notice, right? You read about the crowd. The crowd was always going in the wrong direction. Social norms, our fleshly appetites, those kinds of things are completely different than a life lived in his kingdom. Jesus doesn't want us to be ambiguous about these things. Matthew chapter 13, let's read the first one and get into this. Matthew 13 and verse 24, he says this, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. You might want to highlight that phrase, tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in this field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. And at, that, at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into my barns. Now, Jesus is giving us a very specific parable here because he doesn't just say, oh, you know, we go out, we sow the weed, and, and then there's, you know, these weeds that happen and things. No, no, he says tares, tares. Why does he say tares? Because here's the thing about tares. Tares look like wheat. Tares look like wheat. Yeah. And so he says to them, listen, wait for the harvest time. He says, because that's the time you need to deal with this. Why? Because at the harvest time is when you get the fruit of the wheat, the grain, and you're going to notice that the tares do not produce fruit. Jesus was always confronting a culture of, um, in the religious people of that day that made godly living all about appearances. And it was a culture of hypocrisy was all about, I just need to appear godly. And as long as I appear godly, that's what it's all about. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus develops our authenticity, not our appearances. He is about our authenticity. The religious leaders of the time were all about their image. Matthew 6 and verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so they will be seen by people. 
Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. He's talking about motives here. Prayer is to be heard by God. And they took prayer and turned it into to be seen by people. To be seen by people. And doing things that were all about the appearance so that people would think of you in one way, even though you're not in the way that you appear to be. We don't have street corners today. We have social media. That's how we work that. Luke chapter 11 and verse 39. But the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but your inside is full of greed and wickedness. Jesus is calling them out for their inauthentic lives, promoting an image that is completely different from the person that they are on the inside. Inconsistency between who they really are and how they lead people to view them. In other words, they're focused on image. They're concerned about how people saw them. And, you know, I mean, image, whoa, still huge in our Western culture. 2,000 years ago, image is still a big deal. Absolutely it is. Matter of fact, even as I look on this room, I don't see anybody dressing like they did in the 70s. <laughs> Maybe a couple of orange shirts, but they're cool. That's okay. That's good. But, but we're image. We're very image conscious. What's interesting is what's happening in the business world right now because business world is about what? Branding. What does branding do? We're going to try to communicate to everybody who hasn't bought our product, who hasn't engaged our services, something that says something about what we're like. And, and we're gonna impress them. So we wanna pick the color. We wanna get the look. We wanna get the website. We wanna get the packaging just right. We wanna get all that out. But we're living in an interesting time because you can do all that branding and we've all seen it, but we've also all gone online to buy something and read the reviews. Yeah. How many know the, re the reviews trump branding? Yeah. Come on, that's just the way it is. Uh, my, my wife loves Yelp, that, that's her, her deal. So if, if we go to a restaurant, I mean, she's got me totally trained by now. <laughs> At least I think so. <sighs> Order the food, I'm like, okay, take the picture so we can pray and eat, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's like, she's going to take the picture. She's going to post it on Yelp. She's going to talk about what the restaurant was, was like. It's just the way it goes. Oh, as a side note, I actually heard a story that there are now organizations that can be hired to post negative reviews on your competition just to help bring you up in the scale. Sin is still sin. Sin is still sin. Selfishness. Wrong attitudes, wickedness in the heart of man. And I'll tell you what, uh, cell phones have not changed any of that, okay? It doesn't matter where technology is at. But reviews, here's the thing about reviews. Reviews are about the actual experience. But reviews are about, this is the quality of the product. This is the way I was treated. This is the experience that I had with this company's product and services. And, and reviews just go past any kind of image uh, that might have been given about the actual product. Well, you know what? On a personal level, the same thing can happen. Our public appearance, our public image, what people see of us can bring about, if you will, a branding, so to speak, about us. But our private life and all of our interactions and relationships brings about the review. It is the experience of our actual character and our conduct. 
Authenticity is when we have our image consistent with our character. That's what authenticity is about. So how do you do that? Let your character build your image and don't treat them as separate entities. Don't, Don't divide them in your mind where it's like, oh, I have to appear this way, but I know that I'm actually acting in a certain way. Where, where people get in trouble is when they're in a place where they're trying to manage their image while they're maybe neglecting even their character and, and treating it as a separate, disconnected entity. And so it can be something like, well, I'm, I'm bitter, but I, I'm just going to appear loving and gracious around those people. Well, I'm actually a, a gossip, but I want to appear, you know, concerned and caring so when I do my gossip, I, I put a, a preface on it and say, you know, I think we need to pray. Then I go ahead and gossip, covers it all up. Um, I'm selfish, but I want to appear concerned for others by what I say. I'm not a generous person, but what I do is strategically give to the things where people will know that I've given to those things so that I look like I'm more generous than I really am. I, I'm actually offended, but when I see them, I'll smile and say, hi. How are you? Appearances. Isn't it better to just address the bitterness than try to cover it up? Wouldn't it be better just to address the selfishness and make decisions to put others first? Wouldn't it be better just to build a habit of generosity? And as a Christian, here's what the Bible says, tithe. It's a habit of generosity. Just build a habit of generosity. Isn't it better to let go and get over it than live an offended life? Mark chapter seven and verse six says, but he said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites when it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 2 Corinthians 5.12, so that you will have an answer for those who... Take pride in appearance and not in the heart. Maintaining an appearance, holding up an image. Can I tell you, that's not heaven on earth. That's horrible. That's a lot of work. That, that, that's, I mean, you, if you're gonna put out an image that isn't really you, there's gonna take a lot of energy out of your life to try to maintain that in front of everybody. Much better just to develop good character, a solid walk with God, and let who you are become the image of who people think you are. Not everything that is in you should be honored as part of who you are. When we talk about authenticity, Not everything that is in you should be honored as part of who you are, where it's like, oh yeah, this is is me. One of the misunderstandings when it comes to authenticity is, is that people will sometimes act out in the name of authenticity, and and yet actually how they're acting is, is, is poor. And so it's like, well, you know, this is what I believe. Well, this is what I feel. These are my convictions and I have my rights and, you know, and, uh, you know, I just want to be honest here. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just going to keep it real. Well, you know, sometimes in our keeping it real, frankly, we can be jerks and how we communicate and how we treat people, or we can just be gossips or, or we can just be fostering contention with our choices. 
Authenticity in the context of Christianity is not about you being more of what you think you are. I want you to hear that. Authenticity in the context of Christianity is not about you being more of who you think you are. Authenticity in the context of Christianity is about you aligning your choices, your convictions, your conduct, and your beliefs with Jesus. It's about being more Christ-like in your authenticity as a Christian. That is what authenticity is. Now, here's the thing. Your personality doesn't change. Who you are as a person, the personality that God gave you, you know, it, it just, it remains. I had a chat with one family between services. They're talking about how, yeah, we got this one son who's, he's just outgoing and he's all about people and he's just, you know, and all the, and the, and the other one's like, I'll just stay home with a cup of coffee, watch TV. I'm good. I don't need anybody. You know, and they're, they're pers- that's personality. God thankfully did not make all of our personalities the same. Can you say an amen? Come on. And, and that's the beauty of, of God's creation. However, Where we can have Christian authenticity is when our character, our conduct, our attitudes, all of that aligns with Jesus and is being shaped to become Christ-like. Being authentic in the context of following Jesus means that you will wrestle at times with your will to make choices that reflect his will. I don't feel like it, but I know this is what God wants me to do. You know, Jesus in prayer before being taken to be executed wrestled with his will. And uh, because he did, he provided salvation for the entire planet. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39 says this, that he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed. This is Jesus praying, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. That was his heaven on earth prayer. Not my will, your will. Authenticity was about a choice, not an an option or a preference. And and Jesus here is making a choice and and we're called to make choices, choices to serve, choices to honor, to follow, to, to yield. Sometimes it's just the choice to shut my mouth. If Jesus was to be authentic in the way that society portrays being authentic, I think his prayer would have looked a whole lot different. I think Jesus would have, you know, prayed something like, Heavenly Father, I I just want to keep it real right now. And, you know, I don't really feel like doing this. um, and, And I don't feel like this should be allowed to happen to me after all the Bible says don't commit murder. So, you know, I, I think we need to pass on the, you know what I'm saying? It just would have went in a totally different way, just sort of explaining our feelings rather than aligning with the purposes of God. Sometimes in the name of being authentic, people can simply be being independent, self-serving, and self-preserving. And what we call wisdom is actually just self-preservation, or what we call our right is actually acting irresponsibly, or what we call, well, this is what I believe, it's actually just your preference. What we call, well, this is what I feel, is actually just motivated by fear inside of you. And what we can call our conviction might actually just be a stubborn attitude. For Jesus, authenticity meant giving up his rights, 